Hey, everybody. Pray that you're having an amazing day. Thank you for tapping into Honest Sister. So today's episode is going to be about how did I find the one? So I want to give you a little background about me. So when I was a young girl, I grew up in Los Angeles, California. It was amazing. I literally had um, so many good things to say about growing up. I grew up like a kid should grow up, running around, playing outside, riding on your bikes, playing with your friends and your siblings. So I grew up with a lot of siblings. And in LA, we had a thing called block parties. So if you're from LA, you already know block parties was just where it was at. It was like the epidemic of the year. So block parties was where, you know, you literally have the street from one end to the other and um, cars are blocked off and you have jumpers in the middle. You have everybody cooking certain things and things are just out in the streets. Nobody is driving and you're just mingling with your neighbors, having fun, doing whatever it is that kids do. So... I want to tell you guys about my first bully. I actually had somewhat of a bully in first grade. This mean kid, and I did not know why he was mean, but there was this other little girl. She was very pretty. Um, She looked like she was a mixed girl, but she had beautiful hair, and he was very nice to her, but all I can remember is this mean, angry look. Every single time he looked at me, he was just this mean kid, and I never understood why he was mean to me. And... You know, I was a pretty just relaxed kid, chill kid. And, you know, one thing that I used to do was with my friend who lived down the street is something kind of weird, maybe a little corny, but don't matter, is I used to look up at the clouds. I used to lay down on the concrete and look up at the clouds. And I was just so fascinated with the clouds and the fact of, you know, wanting to flow and wanting to know what it felt like to fly. So... I kind of lived in the clouds, if you, if I could be honest. My mind kind of lived there. So I was always like contemplating on freedom, love, acceptance, being seen and heard. And I think at the core of every person, we want to be loved, we want to be accepted. We want to be seen and we want to be heard, right? So even seeing the toxicity in my household and with the people that were maybe around us, I still didn't walk in fear or didn't walk in hatred and unloving none of those things like all I could think about was being loved and I have these memories of my mother and particularly she's in the kitchen and what stands out is her facial expression and her eyes and she wasn't looking at me and I can't remember one time as a young girl that my mother looked at me and received me with joy or this feeling or sense of freedom in her arms or acceptance in her words or just love in her eyes. And I know a lot of people, we grow up and we want those things from our parents. And with girls, it's more aimed towards our father. We want to be the daddy's girl. We want to make sure that the first man that we love is our father. The first man that we want um, to be affirmed by is our father. Well, for me, it was my mother. And I didn't have that relationship with my mother. And I used to always just think about, you know, I don't have any memories of going to the park and or any memories of my mom getting dressed and I'm getting dressed with her and I'm watching her so beautifully get dressed and do her hair and put on her makeup and all of those things. So 
I gave my life to Jesus at a pretty young age. Now, I remember back to when we first moved out of L.A. And I moved out of L.A. when I was in um, heading into the third grade. I was eight years old. We moved. And there was this yellow bus that used to come around with this Asian guy. And he took us to this huge white church. And they used to have, you know, the separate classrooms for the children and you can go outside there was an area for you to sit down and you can accept Jesus as Lord so one day I was asked the question and I literally went in now I didn't really have any regard to God I never really thought about him even though I was fascinated with his creation I never recall mentioning God or Jesus as a young girl even though there's pictures of us being at church I wanted to give my life to Jesus so I said the prayer and from that very moment All of the chaos and the trauma truly began. Now, there were things that I saw when I was a kid that should have traumatized me, changed my perspective, altered the way that I viewed things, but it didn't. It was kind of like things kind of like went over my head. So I gave my life to the Lord. um, And then sometime after is actually when I went through sexual abuse. And right after that happened, I can go into this, but I just want to say after that happened to me, the person who did it actually had a stroke and it was almost like a life ending stroke. And there was many reasons why I say quiet. And I just want to tell you, maybe if you're listening and you've gone through sexual abuse or you know someone who is a child molester and your family is kind of just overlooking it, keep it quiet. And if you're keeping quiet, the enemy puts this spiritual guard over your mouth and you will think about all of the reasons why you shouldn't say something all of the reasons why you might be thinking that you're going to ruin this person's reputation you're going to ruin this person's life it does not matter none of those things matter all of those things are lies and all of those things are a plot from the enemy to keep you silent and it's not okay to be silent And even people who have the courage to say things, I know that things don't actually transpire. They don't do anything about it. Um, Nothing is done about it, but it doesn't matter. You know that it's no longer on your hands when you speak up about it. So please, if you've gone through that, please, if somebody has violated you, whether they're in a church or not, speak up. There is somebody's life that could be at risk, somebody else that they can do it to, And you just have to speak up no matter how hard it is, no matter what you think or what you feel about people believing you, you have to say something. So after that happened, um, I didn't deal with the mental torment. I dealt with the physical torment. And I don't want to get super deep into the spiritual side of it because we will be here all day long. But um, as that happened, I did feel like God took care of him for me. So in my mind, it was like, you know, no say anything. God took care of him for you. But in that moment is when God revealed himself and made himself real to me. And that's when nobody could tell me that God wasn't real. Nobody could convince me that Jesus was not our Lord and Savior. I just knew. And even though I did not know God, I really didn't know Jesus. There was just something about that moment that made me realize that they are real even though I didn't know them. So I went on about life and obviously I wanted to be loved. 
And I wanted to be loved by my family. I wanted to be loved by my siblings. I wanted to be loved by my friends. But most importantly, I wanted that um, love from a boy, a man, you know? So I wanted marriage more than I wanted success. I thought about marriage all the time. I thought about it so much more than what I wanted to do in life and who I wanted to become. I had all these dreams and I definitely wanted to make it pro in soccer. As soon as I started playing, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, I just wanted to feel that freedom with the one. I wanted to feel that love and that freedom that lies within that love with the perfect one. To be seen by the one and accepted and heard by that one. I don't know if y'all can relate, but it was that deep for me. It was that important for me. And the door of rejection opened through sexual abuse. The door of rejection also opened from not receiving that love from my mother and father the way that I wanted to. And it opened from the way that me and my siblings grew up, you know, and so I was rejected by my parents because the way that I wanted to be loved, not the way that they were showing it. And then I was rejected by my siblings because we were condemning with words and it was just the culture. It was just the way that we were raised. We weren't, you know, raised exactly the right way. But I mean, we were to a degree because we couldn't say those words in front of our parents or anything like that. But when they were absent, it was always condemning words. It was always tearing down and never building up. So I was rejected by them. I was rejected by Um, boys and and in my relationships and then I was rejected by teammates I was rejected in college I was rejected when I went to the pros and I watched every dream that I had be torn apart it didn't matter how hard I tried how hard I tried getting it right with God in school and relationships I was never able to watch my dream in any area of my life unfold and in this long, exhausting wait of finding the one, I just kept running into the wrong one. So when I met my son's father, you know, he was, I was pursuing God again and not wanting sex before marriage and the man that God had for me. And I wanted him to go to church on his own and already be doing that because the guys that I would meet didn't know God, didn't really want God, and only went to church because I was there. So I didn't want that. Then he came across, and he was dreamy. He seemed like the guy who was on the same page as me. And then all of a sudden, one weekend is when it went downhill, fell into temptation, Then the relationship went from being amazing to horrible in just one day and for the rest of that trip. And then I broke it off. And then I found out six weeks later that I was pregnant. And I couldn't believe it. My dream of having this marriage with this man of God and breaking this curse in my family of having broken marriages or marriage with multiple fathers or mothers... I was going to shatter that curse. I was going to shatter it. And I watched that hope be shattered right in front of my eyes. And that's when I first experienced real depression and suicidal thoughts and all of these other things that I had never encountered before. You know, 
And it was really hard, obviously. It was so hard. And that's a part of my testimony of God bringing me out of depression and bringing me out of suicidal thoughts. And, you know, before giving my life to the Lord, my years literally looked repetitive. They went in cycles. My relationships went in cycles. My relationships looked the same. It was like, you know, you're dating people that are the same but with different faces. And as soon as you think that you found the one or it seems as close as it can get to what you want, it's not it. And I just kept finding myself hitting rock bottom over and over. Didn't matter how much I pulled myself up out of it. Things were just backfiring, backfiring in my job. Just any area of your life that you can think of, it was backfiring. And it wasn't um, just a regular battle. It was a spiritual one that I had no knowledge of. And I was truly being destroyed for my lack of knowledge. And... And then something happened. I found the one. The one that possessed the love that I wanted. The one who possessed that freedom in love that I wanted. The one that would accept me. And the one that saw me and seen me. All the things that I was looking for. From my parents. From my siblings. From boys. From relationships. From teammates. From accolades for making it pro all of this security in my identity and who I am but most importantly the love that I wanted was all in Jesus Christ and I couldn't believe when I came to this revelation that I was looking all my life in these areas and it's not like it is the wrong areas to look in because you should receive love from your parents. You should receive love from your siblings. You should receive love in your relationships and you should receive love by your teammates and you know in your career. That's just not the reality of life. And some people do experience that. They have great parents and the or siblings or they find the one at a young age or they have great teammates and they're able to make friends so easily. And then they they see their dream unfold even if they're not walking with the Lord. And I used to sit there and just think, God, why did everything, almost everything that could happen worse in somebody's life happen? I was betrayed by almost every person in my life. And I wasn't always the best person. I wasn't the almost always the innocent and did everything right. No, I did a lot of things wrong. I was not perfect. But I used to just be like, God, I just, I wasn't that bad. I'm not as bad as these people, you know, and I never wanted, and I never had a dream that had nothing to do with somebody else and elevating somebody else or helping somebody else, but it didn't happen for me. And most people won't make it out of being sexually abused, won't make it out of being rejected so many times in life, won't be searching for this love that you just won't settle for in a person who can't not reciprocate it. And then you never find it. For me, I had hit the lowest of low, the darkest places, the deepest valleys that people can reach and a lot of people don't make it out of. And I found Jesus. And my way of finding Jesus was not easy or pretty or just, I just went to church and I received a revelation or I received a change. No, I was trying that multiple times. But it was in the very area of relationships that I kept failing God until it crushed me. And I felt that I wasn't worthy of God's forgiveness. 
And every time that I felt that I wasn't worthy of God's forgiveness because I carried the weight of shame and guilt of saying that I wasn't going to do something and I did it again. And that I hurt God. But then God was right there. I would go to church and it would be the very topic of not giving up on God because he hasn't given up on you. Receiving his forgiveness in that he will carry that weight and shame and that you can keep on going in life. Church for me was my lifeline, but it didn't form a relationship with Jesus for me. It took another bad, horrible, manipulative, narcissistic relationship that led me into a relationship with Jesus. So I made this podcast because there's so many people who are being manipulated by the gospel. And there's so many people that are trying to get it right. They have no spiritual knowledge. You don't know that every single time that you make a commitment to do it right, the enemy is going to send a distraction. And if you cannot discern and if you're easily manipulated and you move off of your feelings and not by spiritual discernment or moving off of your faith, you're easily tempted and you will fall because you don't know that this person was not sent by God, but they were sent to throw you off course. And every time I made that decision, it happened. There was another man. There was another relationship. And if I mustered up the courage to walk away from one that wasn't aligned with God and aligned with what I wanted to do, then I went, I fell back into it by some, by the enemy sending somebody that looked a more angelic. The Bible says that the enemy, the devil comes as an angel of light. And it sucks. Like, come on, God. Can this part of my life be a little bit easy to discern whether somebody's for me or not? But it isn't that easy because if you don't know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus and you have only known what it means to have a relationship with religion and church, you can't discern. You're going to fall. You're going to let somebody love you with their words and not their actions. And if somebody doesn't have their own relationship with Jesus, they're not going to be able to truly love you because God is love. Jesus is the very epitome of love. And you want somebody who can truly love you, not the way that they want to love you, but the way that they love God. Because we have to be held accountable by somebody that's perfect. And when we look to the left or to the right and we look around the world, we may think that we're better than somebody or we think that we're more, um, that we're good and that we're innocent. But no, when we look to the person of Jesus Christ, that's when we see that we're flawed. And that we need him and we need to be held by his standard in order to love people right. And even the people who hate us and treat us wrong, that we can even love them too. And that we can forgive the unforgivable sometimes. But I found the one, guys, and I want you to find the one. And that's Jesus. And it may seem so absurd to be in love with the person that we can see no more. Because he died and rose again. But he's still here. He's still here. A lot of people will be like, man, I can feel my grandmother's presence or my grandfather's presence or my uncle or mother's presence. Or they're just looking down on me. But no. Uh Uh-uh. We ain't doing that. But we can feel the presence of Jesus through his Holy Spirit. We can see him through the change in our lives. We can see him through the things that we feel like we're going to take us out and make us crumble and give up on life. 
and see us him bring us through on this supernatural strength and this peace that surpasses all understanding. God just goes beyond what we can truly comprehend. And it is so real because I wouldn't be here. I wanted to give up so many times. I would not be here if it wasn't for the grace of God, if it wasn't for God being the lifter of my head when my head was hanging low, if it wasn't for God stretching and releasing his supernatural strength over me when I was weak and worn out and I was done. If it wasn't for God supernaturally healing me, healing the the broken parts of me, mending the parts that man had broken, mending my identity, mending my insecurities, loving me and all of me. We get into relationships and sometimes we have this fear. Are they going to love me for me? Are they going to love me on my worst days? Are they going to love me seeing me stripped out, no makeup on, you know, in my t-shirt, in my sweatpants? Are they going to look at me and still think that I'm beautiful? Well, that finding that love in Jesus is so imperative because he does see you and he loves you in all of your mess. And you don't have to be perfect to come to Jesus and to surrender to him. You just have to be willing You have to just open up your heart. You don't have to change your outer appearance before you accept Jesus into your heart. You don't have to, you don't need the acceptance of other people before you accept Jesus because he already loved you. He already thought that you were worthy to be his bride. He already loved you enough and he said that you were fearfully and wonderfully made when you come into Christ. You're a new creature. So everything that you've done in the past, it doesn't matter anymore. And one thing my old pastor used to say is that people cannot hold you to and judge you for what God has forgiven you for. So it may not be a clean slate to other people, but it's definitely a clean slate in the eyes of God. And if you ever wanted a second chance at life, because I look back and I just like, I wish I could do life all over again, but do it with experience so that I wouldn't make the same mistakes. I wouldn't give men who never deserve my heart or time or presence the time of day. We can look back and just be like, why did I give that person my time? Why did I even entertain this person? Because we're moving by our flesh. We're not truly moving by who we are in Christ and knowing our identity and knowing who we are. And we come alignment with somebody who sees the same. In our brokenness, we come in alignment with those who are broken. In our insecurity, we come alignment into alignment with those that are insecure. But we are made whole in Jesus Christ. He is everything that we need. So that if we don't have other people, if other people reject us, we still got Jesus. We're still rich on the inside. We can keep going. If it's only you and him, you can keep going. He loves you enough to die for you. No person would do that. No person would do that. And those that do die in vain and pointless. But Jesus, he died with purpose because he rose again. And now he can live on the inside of us. And we can experience that very thing that we have been missing all of our lives in one person. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. It is so astounding to know that we could read his word and get to know him. It's so intimate. Like, I know you, Jesus. I'm not just saying your name anymore. But I know you now. 
I know your character. I know what it means to be in a relationship with you. And I want to be married to you forever. And then God will send you the perfect guy or the perfect um, girl from my brothers that are listening to. And she's going to be everything. And it's going to be easy love because that person knows how to love. Because he knows love, which is God. So I found the one. And I hope that you find the one. And if you have found Jesus, that you cling to him. Especially if you're single and you're waiting. That you cling to him. That you find that contentment. Because when you do, then God can see that you won't turn away from him. And you won't look to marriage as an idol. But you will keep him as the very center and first in your life. Because God is a jealous God. And he doesn't want to send you something that's going to take the place of him. So I found the one. Have you found the one? And if you haven't, Jesus is waiting right there for you with open arms. He's waiting to love you like nobody can. He accepts you. He will forgive you when you confess your sins and turn away and live according to his standard. And his standard is, is not this major cause. It's actually just stripping away every single thing that never belonged to you, never was a part of his plan, and is definitely not good for you because God is a good, good father. He would never take and strip away and reveal things about people that are in your life and about you unless it is not good because that just doesn't align with his very character. I pray this blesses you guys and I'm so excited. If it did, you can message me. You can follow me on Instagram at underscore Natalie Carter. I have a TikTok at I am underscore Natalie with two E's. And I also have a book called Beauty Isn't Enough. And it's about your identity in Christ and also beautifully broken about how you can overcome the traumas in your life and no longer allow it to navigate your life, but allow God to become the driver of your life and he can get glory out of your story. God bless you guys. And I'm so excited. And I will see you in the next episode. God bless you.